Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Performance Anxiety, everybody. This week's show features singer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist Janet LaBelle. If you ever wanted to know about mysterious lyrics, flying Vs, getting a record deal in your teens, or playing guitar on roller skates, this episode is for you. Pick up her EP, I Only See You, everywhere you buy music, or get it from her website, JanetLaBelle.com. Follow her on social media, Janet LaBelle. Follow us at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram. Our merch is at performanceanx.threadless.com. Subscribe, rate, and review. It definitely keeps us going. Without any further ado, Janet LaBelle. Okay. Hey, everyone. This is Janet LaBelle, and you're listening to Performance Anxiety Podcast. Um, well, I want to say one thing. I love the name of your show. <laughs> oh, like, thank you. I actually was so excited to, to be on a show called Performance Anxiety. I, I'm fascinated by performance, and also I'm studying music therapy, so I'm like very interested in psychology. <laughs> oh, wow. Awesome, awesome. And, uh, it's, yeah. it's kind of funny because the show started out with me trying to, you know, talking to people about how maybe they got over some of the performance anxiety, but it was it was only – it wasn't the main focus of the show. I just, I, I, I kind of came up with the idea as almost like me getting over the anxiety of, of speaking to some people that I've really admired. Cause I've, of course. and, and, uh, it, it's, I'll tell you a weird story about this. This is, I guess this is how we'll break the ice of the show. Is okay. I reached out to, I, I don't know if you're a fan of any David Lynch movies like Twin Peaks. Oh, yes. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> I reached out to boop, 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 okay from Twin Peaks is uh or I mean well Blue Velvet and Twin Peaks and um she agreed to come on and she she like never does this stuff so I'm like holy crap this is fantastic why the hell is she doing it for me and she's like I love the idea and she started sending me all these weird voice we were just you know IMing and she started recording messages and sending them to me really weird stuff That's amazing. I'm like, this is okay. This is going to be a great episode because this is going to be so off the wall. Because the show, the, the show's supposed to be humorous and lighthearted and, and all. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, all right, this this is going to be a really interesting show. So I get her on. We start talking, and she had eaten a pot brownie before <laughs> the show. Awesome. She told me this as we start recording. I'm like, oh god, this is going to get even weirder. 
So we start talking. And things things get really weird, but it was a nice show. Oh, it, it was a it, yeah, it was a fun show, and, and you know she said, "Oh, this was great. I had so much fun." So all right, I'll let you know when the show's gonna come out. You're in the queue. You know I've got a few people I've recorded before you, and I've got to edit and all that. So I will let you know. A couple of weeks later, I had this other artist on. And we're talking, and her music sounds a lot like something that would be in a David Lynch movie. Wow. So I, I told her that. I said, you know, it's, it's, I, I said, that's one of the reasons I really like her music. And she's like, that's great. I love it. She's like, I, I, you know, I'm a huge David Lynch fan. I said, well, that's so cool because I just had boobs uh, on. She's like, oh, my God, I toured with her in like 2012. Whoa. Like, that's awesome. I will shoot. Boop, 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 boop. text and let her know that you're coming on. That way she can listen. And she's like, oh, that'd be great. So after the show, I, I sent boop, 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 a text. And she's like, I hate that bitch. <laughs> Wait, like, oh, my God. She's like, do not release my show. Don't put it on. Don't. So now I have an unreleased boop, 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 episode because she won't. She, I mean, technically, you know, she didn't sign anything. I could release it whenever the hell I want. But. I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to get that reputation. So, oh my god! So that one shall remain unreleased for a while. That's, that's pretty cool, though, that you have that and you have that story about the whole experience, which makes it oh. even more interesting. I think I'm the only person I know of that's been yelled at by. <laughs> and the only the thing that's weird is I'm like, hey, I had no idea. I'm sorry, and she's like, it's not your fault. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I, I can release the show? Or <laughs> so I have after that. Te- I haven't gotten back to her after that text. I'm just like, for, you know what? Forget it. Oh my gosh. Better to play it safe, I guess. Yeah, just exactly. Play low. Well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, maybe maybe if I can do like a Patreon page or something and get subscribers, that can be like a bonus episode. Yeah. Give me money and I'll send you this whacked out show. <laughs> That's great. And copies, maybe, maybe uh, copies of the text messages she sent to me where she's cursing me out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's an incredible story. So I, I love Twin Peaks, too, and David Lynch. I'm I know. Fan, so me that's too. incredible you had that opportunity. Uh, it's, I, I wish I could share the, it was, an, it was an actually an interesting talk with her, and I, I wish yeah. I could share it, and I can't now. Uh, <laughs> oh. But I did learn something in doing research to speak with you. Mm. We have a seven, six, was it six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Uh Uh-huh. We have that. We do. We do. The basis. Kira Pierre Rossler. Well, okay. Oh, well maybe that's a different, different one. Different connection. We can talk about the way that I'm thinking of is your basis for Avery, Nina Uh and her husband, Ricky. Yes. Are friends with a good friend of mine, Alf Bartone. Whoa. Okay. So, That's would... really interesting. Now, I'm I'm really close with Nina. Nina, um, Nina and I go way back because we we played in a band together for ten years. Yeah. And we're actually we're doing a reunion show this year, so we're playing with a lineup that I have not played with in fifteen years. So that's crazy. It's it's crazy. So I'm going to see Nina. I'm going to see Ricky. Oh, that's uh, awesome. We're doing two two nights of a 
reunion show with some other New Jersey pop punk bands. So. Where is that going to take place? Um, so the first night is at the Asbury Park Brewery on August 16th. Okay, cool. Um, I think that show is sold out, but they booked another night at Jersey City the next day um, at FM Bar. Oh, and nice. Yeah, so... That's so awesome. That'll be happening in a few weeks. I still have to learn all of the songs that I wrote when I was like 14 years oh. old. <laughs> so it's it's pretty hilarious, but it's also it's it's a really incredible experience to relive that nostalgia. Yes, because yeah. yeah, so, mm-hmm. now you got you and while you were in Avery got signed when you were at 16 years old. Yeah, exactly. That's I think crazy. I was. It, yeah, 15, when I started writing for the album that we released on Small Records, it came out when I was 17. Um, and actually, the record label owner is in a band called Jettison, and they're playing the show as well. So, And we're trying to get wow. the label owner to sit in with us to do some... Oh, man. <laughs> so, That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So I... How how did that happen? How did, how did a, a group of teenage kids get signed yeah. yeah well i think we were pretty lucky but i would also say we worked really hard like we i, I will say we, we really worked hard as kids and i mean to be honest it was a lot more fun than school yeah. <laughs> no, maybe my grades took a little dive um suffered a bit you know but i had a lot of fun back then for sure um That's but awesome. i guess the way it came about was um so I I grew up playing piano and um, I, I took some formal lessons, but was mostly just inspired to learn by writing songs and just exploring the piano. Um, and I had written a few songs by the time I met Nina. Um, and I, I actually I also played uh, drums. So I started I took up uh, drums when I was 11 years old. Um, wow. This will show like what era i grew up in but i was like really inspired by hansen oh like, you wow like when umbop came out like, yes okay, but that's oh I, my gosh yes i think that's like a super catchy track you know um, what i'm all right i gotta make sure my my wife's not in the room nobody's in the room i actually liked that song when it came out you you said wait say again i actually liked that song when it came out yeah right and i god i was in my mid-20s or so when it came out, like, I couldn't be caught listening to it. No, tr- tricky times. Yeah. Right? <laughs> in secret, like somewhere, like looking in the car. Oh, yeah. Like, if I'm listening to the radio and it comes on, I'm not, I'm, I'm like, oh, let's just see what comes on afterwards. Yeah, I'm just, let's just, exactly. <laughs> well, let's suffer through this. One. Yeah, but you know what? By the time we find a station with something better, this will be over with anyway. I love it. Well, actually, I was really inspired by the fact that the drummer was like, he was like 10 or 11. Yes. And, and that was around my age at the time. And I just thought it was so cool to see like a young kid playing drums and like really doing a great job with it. And yeah. that was the whole era of boy bands where there were mostly vocalists, like that yeah. boy sing 98 Degrees. And I thought it was really cool that there were people like there were kids playing their own instruments and yeah. like writing their own songs. Um, and, you know, and I'd get in a lot of fights with, there was like a divide in, <laughs> in, in the middle school, you know, it's like, what side are you on? Like, are you pro Hanson or anti Hanson? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was oh, like, 
whole thing. But but anyway, I, I bring that up because I, I started out playing drums. Um, when I met Nina, I was a freshman in high school and she was a sophomore. And around that time, I was hanging out with some of the older kids and they were taking me to punk rock shows. And uh. I... You know, got my first introduction to ska and pop punk. I listened to a lot of mixtapes and, you know, demo tapes of bands and discovered this whole, you know, underground New Jersey scene that was going on. So uh, where where did you grow up in New Jersey? Yeah, uh, a small town called Madison. Okay. I, Madison High School. That's okay. where I met you. Okay, because I, I, I was in, I lived in New Jersey from, well, twice once when I was really little, and then uh, in Scotch Plains, and then I lived in uh, Branchburg from okay. uh, fourth grade through when I went to Rochester for college. So okay, so, so I'm, you know all about I know all about New Jersey <laughs> punk. Yeah, yeah, we stick. Me and my buddy Ed would go to New Brunswick all the time. Yes, Watch. I went to Rutgers actually. Oh, okay, my brother went to Rutgers, and then uh, my half my family moved to Alabama, and my, he transferred to Alabama. And then I followed a year later. So, but before before that, you know, I'd be going to house parties and yes. going to the melody basement shows. Yeah, going to the melody bar, watch watching Alf play when yes. he, he, he was in Whale and Muscalunge, and then the Fire Still Burns, X Number Five. Yeah. But then we would be watching the Bouncing Souls and Sticks yeah. and Stones. It's incredible. I actually, I did go to the Melody Bar one time and I think they shut it down like shortly after. Yes. So I caught it right at the tail end. Yeah. That era. Um, in Court Tavern, I don't know if you ever. Yes. Oh my God. I think I actually went to the court more often than the Melody and my buddy. Yes. Alf would play the Melody all the time, but yeah, I would definitely go to the court. Yeah. I saw, actually, I saw a really cool band there. Uh, it was really weird. Uh, a band called Eve's Plum. And they were really cool. They had the singer Colleen Fitzpatrick went on to be to after East Plum put out two albums and then split up. Mm -hmm. She became an, an artist called Vitamin C. Oh, yes. So Yeah. So, you know, that wasn't that the graduation song? Yes. Oh, yeah. That was huge. But before that, she was in a band called Eve Plum, which were kind of a poppy alternative Sure. Sla maybe not so much punk, but more in, on, along the lines of, uh, and this was like early '90s, so you know, mm -hmm. not Soundgarden-y, but you know, more sure. alternative sounding. But uh, I remember seeing them. I, I believe it was at the court. That's incredible. So yeah, see, I feel like Jersey has some good it's, output there. <laughs> it does. It's so underrated as as a music producer. Yeah. You know, you think of Jersey, think, think of Springsteen, and that's like it. Right. That's pretty much what most people think of. And then there's Bon Jovi, and then there's a divide oh, on yeah. that. Too. Yeah. I'm kind of Team Jovi, but. <laughs> I, I'm, I. On that. <laughs> I, yeah. It, you know what? When, when those, the, the big, the first few albums were really big, like Slippery and Wet and all that was, yeah. I was in, I think, middle school around that time. And. That was another one. I was like, you know what? I like a couple songs, but I can't. I can't admit it because I'm walking around high school and middle school wearing Megadeth shirts and stuff. I can't. I can't be seen with a Bon Jovi cassette, which is oh man, have, so. all the repressed musical yeah. memories. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, 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 I'm confessing them and spewing them out now. So no, see, it feels good, right? It does. Like, it actually feels really good. <laughs> 
to go on a show and say, yeah, like Hanson inspired me. Like, you know, because there were people had strong opinions back then. Oh my I thought gosh. it was great. It's funny because I've got three kids and they have really wide ranging musical tastes. And the great thing is they're, they're open about it. And I don't, I don't know what has changed between when I was a kid and what, when and yeah. them being a kid, but it was like in the eighties, mid mid to late eighties. If if I, you know, I, I'm wearing my heavy metal shirts and all, and mm-hmm. if I came in with a Bon Jovi anything, I'd probably get punched in the face. Oh, yeah, see, that's like a, a very fearful <laughs> yeah. space to be in. Right? It is like. That's interesting. It's you bring up a good question about kids and like music, like and and access to music and access to like just more things, and that you know yeah. people can self-produce now. So that's something I'm I'm interested in. Um, all right, so let's we're gonna be skipping. We're gonna be bouncing around all over the place sure, sure. with this totally. self-producing. Now you've put out several EPs over the past few years. Are you self-producing those or, 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 or parts of those or how, do, yeah. how are you creating these, mm-hmm. these beautiful songs, by the way? They're, oh, thank they're, you. They're lovely. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I, um, I take a really large part in the productions and, and every EP or single or whatever I've done, uh, I've had a different role in. Um, and I've also worked with a musical collaborator since after uh, the band Avery, the band I was in um, when I was younger, our last drummer um, and I, we went on to, to start, it was my songs and his production techniques. He was, he was in his young twenties now that I'm talking, this is like 10 years ago, right. uh, but we started working together on um, collaborations and uh you know, I, I mean, it's great because we, I felt like we always had sort of the same vision for things. Um, and so he's helped co-produce, um, several of my EPs. And then, um, my last, I actually was just in LA recording this past weekend and doing some songs and co-producing with this guy named Scott Baseman. He's a producer in Hollywood. Oh boy. uh, yeah. Oh boy. I just love saying that he's in Hollywood. He's like, I don't know. I, you could be doing whatever in Hollywood. I, I know. Just hanging on the street. I'll, I'll tell you another secret real quick. Uh, so I don't yeah. I mean to interrupt your story, but I do another, oh, I do another podcast mm. and it's sports related. And my two co-hosts are out in Hollywood. So mm-hmm. that's, I can I can say yeah my my podcast is based on Hollywood, but yeah, my buddy right. Tommy he's a producer for Comedy Central and my my other friend Eric he's his brother's a actor out there he, mm-hmm. he, his brother I don't know if you ever watched the show Smallville, but oh yeah uh, his sure. brother played Lex Luthor, nice so that's that's how I kind of push this thing yeah right. I got Lex <laughs> Luthor's brother and a producer from Comedy Central and we all get together and talk sports over Skype. That's, amazing. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. I'll, have to, I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, I'll keep, I'll, I'll let you know. Now it's, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's a little more blue than this show is. Okay. <laughs> so it's a uh, language, a little coarser. Okay. But, That's fine. I mean, feel free, be yourself. <laughs> That's well, it's more on their part than mine. I'll, I'll, I will be a hundred percent. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that. But, but all right. Fun. So I interrupted your, yeah. your story about Hollywood. Fine. 
Yeah, no. So, um, so yeah, I like working out of a variety of studios. I love, um, you know, I've, I've recorded probably half of my stuff on the West Coast, and then I record here in Brooklyn where I live. Um, I've worked at Studio G with Tony Mamoni. Oh, if, cool. Uh, you know him. Yeah, he's he, he's a bass player, um, and he's, he's also to work with a great producer and engineer. Um, and then I released a track recently called I Only See You, and I did a video with that. It's, it's on my latest EP, and that was actually just a self-produced bedroom recording. That was the first time I ever released anything like that. Usually I, you know, put all my resources into production and, right. and like, you know, do it up and do, you know, do the songs justice. And like, I would always really um, take like painstaking efforts to, to get things right. And I ended up recording this demo that I just couldn't really reproduce the same organic feeling of I, I basically just wrote this song and then just pressed record and oh, wow. recorded it just like a few minutes after writing it and um and then I felt like I couldn't replicate that again so I never I never really touched it but I got it mastered and okay. included in the EP so um so that was a that was a totally solo I'm not much for like recording technology although I am learning um, <laughs> I I actually I've recorded a lot of my stuff mostly analog. So um, oh, there you go. I, I work with a lot of people who are well versed in like tape and splicing and all sorts of oh, things like that. So that's awesome. That's, that's a whole art form, and it is, and it's 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 becoming lost. Yeah, it really is. I I feel like the retro sound and feel is kind of in, and there's a lot of there's a lot of record labels um, and. Daptone Records out here. They oh, Daptone's awesome. Um, and Bushwick, and and you know they do a lot of the analog stuff, and it, it's just I think for me the recording process also really informs the output and informs like what happens in the studio because you have very limited takes and you have very right. limited you can't really edit that much so the, it's not like super saturated with auto-tune and like all sorts of things it's like it's pr it's a pretty raw and organic process and that's why i've gravitated towards analog but in recent years i've kind of combined like a hybrid of like okay it's a little maybe like more cost effective or <laughs> flexibility or you know just sort of over the years of sort of developing, you know, my music and seeing what works in right. terms of recording medium. But but I love doing my own um, arrangements, harmonies. In my last EP, I did all of the, um, there's all these keyboard arrangements that are done with a Mellotron. So um, oh, that's a, cool. that was at Studio G with Tony. Um, he has this Mellotron and it was my first time being able to sit down and be like, oh, I could be the string section here. And it actually like the samples really sound like strings or. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. So so I got to play around with layering and and uh, now I'm like saving my pennies so I can <laughs> afford maybe a Mellotron <laughs> and like my own home studio rig wow. because I'm amazed like a lot of my friends have 
like home re- recording studio. I mean, you must have your own home I've recording got, gear as well. well. Yeah, let's see if I can. I don't know if you can see. Oh, yeah. I've got, it's just a little nice soundboard, soundboard and then yep. my laptop. <laughs> yep. See, but that's really like I'm learning like you don't need much, like you need some few essentials. Yeah. And uh, and you can really do so much. I mean, my little song that I released was recorded on GarageBand through the laptop mic. So so anything (laughs) is probably better than that. Like I could probably invest a little in like a cheap mic or something like that. (laughs) Maybe like step it up a notch. But um, depends what sound you want. That's like my next step of what I'm trying to start doing you know well one of the things i wanted to ask is that and and you kind of touched on it a little bit is is, you know you using a lot of older technology you a lot of your songs have an older soul and r&b sound to them where does that come from because that's nothing like the pop punk that i was listening to a little bit earlier although i will tell you that i was i was amazed by how complex the uh, the songs from avery seemed to be oh interesting yeah they they it, it wasn't just you know typical power power pop or mm-hmm. you know you know pop punk it, it was keyboards and, and and different layers in the songs it, it was i was impressed yeah i remember at the time when i was writing it was you know i will say it was very cool to grow up in a scene like having like sort of, you know, it's this conversation of music. And I was constantly listening to the stuff going on around me all the time. Like I'd go out and see bands like, okay, I was just always taking mental notes of like what was happening, what I responded to emotionally. Okay. I listened to a lot of emo music. Yes. Okay. <laughs> a lot of the songs came from my diary when I was like 14 or 15. So like, <laughs> I was young and had a motive, you know? And also the fact like there weren't that many females out there. There were a lot of, there was like a lot of masculine energy out there, like in music. And I was like, you know, I'm this like sensitive creature, but I, (laughs) I mean, I'll own it. And I will say like, you know, I, I really used music as my outlet at that time. And I also, I kind of drew on the influences that were happening around me. Um, And then also just, drawing all my influences of like what I grew up with, which were just more like Beach Boys, like, you know, like Blondie. I actually, I got to play with Jimmy Destry. That's actually our Kira connection, but it's very loose, which I'll. Yeah. We'll touch on that. that. We'll touch on that. But, um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I tried to sort of make things my own. I was listening to Elton John and like more ballads and. like that so i think and and i don't know listeners may not agree with me but you might i think that's almost very particular to growing up in the new jersey new york area yeah because we've in that area growing up we got exposed to i think a lot more classic rock and roll uh older rock and roll i i think you know the uh, R&B, soul, rock from the 50s and 60s, 
it played a larger role in the music scene there than almost any place else in the country. Because it, it, it's still, you, you go anywhere in New Jersey and you, you'll hear the doo-wop bands right. or, right. or, or the, you know, the, some of the 60s bands. You, you go to California, maybe more psychedelic, maybe more beach. Yeah, more like surf rock. Yeah. Which I love too. I oh, yeah. <laughs> but the classic R&B and soul that I hear in the music that, you're, that you've released over the past few years, I think it's, it's more prevalent in the Northeast, specifically in Jersey and New York. And, it, you know, I would say you and I are... are probably 10 to 15 years apart in age at least but i think it sounds to me like we almost grew up on this same music right yeah i mean because i've only grown up in new jersey and sadly i know <laughs> nothing else um, <laughs> wish i had more of a variety you know of a background but but you know but but at the same time like i i was very much influenced by the music that my parents played in the house um when I grew up and, you know, really just, I don't know. I, I guess personally, I just really respond to music. I always have since I was a, a little kid. And, and I remember listening to Fleetwood Mac oh, in man. the kitchen of, you know, my childhood home and just like, um, that song everywhere. Like I want to oh, be with you everywhere. Yes. It's just letting loose, just dancing, you know, my, like, my, what? whatever, like my little, whatever shoes, my <laughs> rhinestone moccasins, those were my shoes. <laughs> I just remember going crazy to that, to that kind of music. Oh, Fleetwood um, Mac is amazing. Fleetwood Mac is one of those bands that I, I grew to appreciate more as I got older. Cause when I was growing up, that was, my mom was loved Fleetwood Mac and you know, that's mom's music. I'm not going to listen to Fleetwood Mac, but <laughs> As I, Again, so much judgment on our music. I know. <laughs> no, it's so funny, though. But it's great. As I grew up, I started listening to more and more. And, and Lindsey Buckingham, in my opinion, is probably yeah. the most underrated guitarist of all time. Mm -hmm. And a yeah. buddy of mine, Jordan, uh, from the band Blinker the Star, got to actually play with Lindsey several times. He's on a couple of Blinker the Star albums. and So if you like Lindsey Buckingham, check out Blinker the Star because he plays on a couple of their albums. Yeah, I will. That's great. Um, <laughs> I keep interrupting you. With, with I'm no, sorry. But... <laughs> it's great. No, I mean, I, I love, I think that's one of my favorite things about these conversations is like just talking about music <laughs> yeah. just, and, and like the origins of things, which I think your podcast does a really good job with. Like oh, I, thank you. I, was, I was looking through like who you're interviewing. That's actually how I um, came across that you had interviewed Kira. So Kira had actually worked with um, the producer, and my uh, collaborator, Evan Taylor, he did this album that was all Black Flag covers. Gimme, oh. gimme. And Black Flag, Des is from New Jersey. So, like, there's these connections That's there. Right, yeah. As well. um, and Evan and I grew up, we went to the same high school as well. So, and, Man. which is, yeah. So, it's, there's a lot of um, creatives in Jersey working oh, on yeah. things. He he had Kira sing on the Gimme 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 album. He also had Jimmy Destry playing keyboards from Blondie. Oh and, wow! Yeah, and actually after after they did that album, um, he was in touch with Jimmy about doing his solo stuff because Jimmy, I don't know if you remember, but in the eighties he released a solo album. No, I don't remember that. Heart on the Wall, and and that was his solo album, and he never did tour with it so oh, i wow. i became his backing member with evan evan played keyboards i i played as a multi-instrumentalist so i actually played drums on um, some of the shows wow. i opened 
on drums. I played keyboards. I sang backup. I played guitar. And I got to sing songs that, you know, inspired me wow. in high school, like Debbie Harry's parts. I mean, I just felt like I Whoa. should be this. <laughs> but, yes. you know. But I had that opportunity, and it was it was pretty incredible. So. That's amazing. Coincidentally, Kira yeah. just emailed me today because she's we're going to do another another episode. So you've got a, a, a your your voice is very soulful in the EPs that that you've done, and and the lyrics, everything is very mature. I, I was just really blown away by how how it sounded like stuff that I would listen to, you know, driving around with my dad. We, we used to restore old cars, and <laughs> we would, awesome. yeah, and we would go to car shows and they'd play you know this blue eyed soul and 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 it music, the lyrics, the vocals, everything. It kind of brings me back to that time in my life, and I love it. That's great. I I love that that you you said that and and you're sort of drawing on this like nostalgic time, which I feel like exactly. that's exactly what I, you know, like the music of the six the fifties and sixties. A lot of girl groups, like all my influence, not all, but as you know, I talked about the New Jersey pop punk <laughs> scene, which, which I don't think actually is very present in my solo work at. At all, but I, it, I don't hear it. Me as a songwriter for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I don't really. Yeah, it's not very closely aligned. <laughs> but but my solo work was really an opportunity to channel some of those influences. Where you know I want to write music that like I want to hear, which is pretty much that stuff. So then I right. kind of have to go back in time and think about like what it is about that music that really speaks to me, and what I think it is is. Um, just this very like it's very like straightforward a lot of times the music is like conversation to another person like a letter to someone or you know it it's you know it's it's just an expression of like kind of direct and like timeless communication I think that's kind of the key word in the element is like you know this like timeless there's a lot of themes that really um inspire me it's you know, and I'm trying to get out of this just to challenge myself as an artist, but like I write a lot of love songs. And <laughs> I wrote, I actually recorded over the weekend a song that it sounds like a straight up love song, but I swear that it it has to do with other things. But like, when I listen back, I'm like, nobody's going to see that parallel. I'm like, but for me, it was like a huge deal. I was like, I knew this is not a love song, but it still sounds like it. Like there's still like, you know, it's like I'm singing to like someone, but it's it's different. It's like I wrote a song about, um, you know, like finding a different state of mind and how like beautiful and inspiring that can be. But I wrote it like a love letter to that state of mind. So, <laughs> well, that's yeah. really cool, though. I can't get away from it. It's but uh, <laughs> but I'm really trying. I actually think I think it's really important to have challenges, whether I ever get over this or not. I mean, that's. It's all about the process. I'm, I'm finding, like, it. You know, they're, they're artists. It's process. Their entire <laughs> career is, is writing love songs, and they do yeah. great at it. 
So. Yeah. You know, there's a million ways to say like, like, you know, I love you. Why don't you love me? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that, that brings up a question yeah. on your, your newest, your latest EP. You have a song called, I can't believe you did that. That sounds like very vague lyrics to a very specific incident. I love, I love that you're bringing it up because you know, one a song that really inspired me was "I Can't Go for That." I love Hollow Notes. I love Hollow Notes, and I that's love too. that was one band that I didn't care who knew that I liked. Yeah, because no, it. I'm listening to I'm walking around in my Megadeth shirt and but I will have that Hall and Oates album out and yes. everybody can yeah. go suck an egg because I love it. Exactly. It's shameless. Like, exactly. It's, it's Hall and Oates. They have this song like I can't go for that. And I listen to it and like I love this song and it cracks me up that they don't name like what is it? <laughs> what true. is that? What is it that, like, you keep saying something happened and, like, it kind of lends itself to this imagination and, and you know, like, like I can think of maybe what it was. Like, is my version different than another person's? So when I wrote I Can't Believe You Did That, like, I did write it about a specific unnameable thing. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, well, you cut that one off for it. The mystery, maybe in the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> You'll hear all about it. That'll just be. Just talk about that. We can, we'll just pick out those kind of songs. I can't believe you did that. I can't go for that. I, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. I won't do that. I'm not doing that. See, we'll, we'll, just do, like, <laughs> we'll just do an episode about that. You know, it's all about that. It's, it's like, you know, it's up to interpretation. <laughs> It's it's something for everyone. Exactly. It's, it's a motto. Enter your um, own heartbreak here. <laughs> insert your own terrible yes. situation. <laughs> Anything traumatic, just put it right there. <laughs> this, this is a, a group therapy session we're going to work on together. So, um, but yeah, I just it's funny because it definitely crossed my mind. I'm like. I think being specific in lyrics is also very helpful. And I, and I also think, you know, there's a lot of lyricists that I admire that that I, I'm i not as great with this, but they'll be like very specific about like the time and describing the place. And it's like, it's so specific, um, but you can totally channel that or channel the emotions that the, the imagery evokes. Um, and I, I love that. That's another challenge for me as a songwriter. Like I, I want to, I love that. Some of my songs have that, but like, it's not my go-to um, style of writing. So, so I guess, yeah, I can't go for that. It definitely crossed my mind. Wait, that wasn't my song. I didn't write. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> I mean, I'll take the royalty check. Well, no, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Forget it. Man. But yeah, I can't believe I can't believe you did that. That I, I still need to, you know, get that song out there a bit. But yeah, it's it really is about something that I think it's left up to the imagination of 
people can insert their own sort of like imaginative implications there. All right. Well, since Get I'm not creative people. Yeah, exactly. We, since you're not going to tell me what it's about, everybody has to insert their own issues. <laughs> insert issues here. <laughs> so, so who are your influences? Because you obviously have, you know, your, your, pop punk influences with Avery, mm -hmm. but you also you have a completely different set of influences when you're doing your solo stuff. Sure. So, well, I'll go maybe back in time and work forward. And I will, I mean, not... I will tell you that I, I heard your cover of Leslie Gore. You don't, you don't oh, own me. Yeah. That's so good. I, you know, I love Leslie Gore. I mean, so she has that album, um, like the, the album with It's My Party yeah. and I'll Cry If I Want To. So like this is a classic example of an album that I just like love these lyrics. Like it's really straightforward. She's actually in this album. I think she was really young. She must have been like 16 or she was a young I think you're kid, right. I think, when it was released. I think you're right. Um, but this album, she has several songs that sort of touch on this party scene about Judy and Johnny. If you're familiar yes. with that, like yes. Judy and Johnny just walk through, through the, the door, door. Yep. like a king and their queen. So you have this scene of Judy and Johnny at the party. And then later there's another song. It's Judy's turn to cry. And then she like lets Judy have it in this song. So this is a conversation of sorts, That's right? right. Like, yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things going on, touching on the same themes sort of over and over again. There's a lot of crying. There's a lot of tears on this album. And and it just keeps coming up over and over again. That and could be I think, a show. Songs with sequels. Yes, I, I think so. I mean, <laughs> one of the things that like I gravitate towards in terms of like what I like to see in other artists, and maybe it's that sense of familiarity. It's when an artist sort of like keeps coming back to the same themes. It's the same. I'm really obsessed with this one painter, Edvard Munch. Like I, I don't really know that much about painting in general. I'm not going to say I'm an art historian, <laughs> right. at all, but I remember going to the MoMA and seeing a series of his works where he had this like red haired lady, like this muse that just showed up over and over and over again. And then he'd have like this contrast of like light and dark um, and like a lantern or a moon or something just over and over again. And I just remember like seeing that and just feeling like the symbols just made me feel like I knew him and maybe I'm like way off and just like looking in yeah. <laughs> all the wrong ways. But, but I felt like when I saw an artist sort of like touching on the same things, I could feel like I felt more connected. It felt more okay. relatable. And there was a context. So I do gravitate towards artists that sort of bring up a lot of the same things. I, I think I do that a bit in my work a little bit. So, but yeah, so Leslie Gore is definitely a huge influence. Um, I love her work. I love Melanie Safka. Uh, she wrote Brand New Key. Yes. Look what they did my song. Um, she's just an incredible songwriter uh, and just like a, like a powerful like female force. Um, she's, I, I got into her in high school. Um, it was a, a friend's dad listened to her. And uh, <laughs> actually, like, I got into a lot of music through, like, friends' dads. Actually, Rachel, <laughs> it's, like, it's really weird, right? Um, 
Rachel Sweet was another new age artist, new wave artist. Um, she she's an interesting hybrid between like her stuff came out in the late seventies, early eighties, and she's got this punk kind of edge, but also music was getting a little more like refined and poppy. But her her okay. first stuff um, that she had uh, that that came out was like very much like punk rock that that oh. I was listening to. Um, trying to think of the name of her first album um but she has these songs like fool's gold and <laughs> uh fool's gold too spellbound is a song i've actually covered some of her stuff too i actually cover i've covered live a lot of these artists that i'm mentioning oh, melanie cool. wesley and uh and and rachel sweet as well um but then also like i would say the beach boys uh, that's they're just a huge influence that I can't ignore. Mostly just because I fell in love with harmony oh, for the first yeah. time and and trying to figure that out. Like what is going on? Oh, well, Brian there. Wilson's undeniable so genius. Expansive. Oh yeah, and um, and he's a huge influence of mine. And he's uh, a huge influence on me. Just wanting to lay in bed for three years. Me too, or yeah. or like get like a sand pit under my piano because that was something yes. that he had, <laughs> and I like I think of that. I actually I took up surfing about I guess it was six years ago now, wow. and I always come home and have like sand in my apartment, so like I'm kind of close. <laughs> I'm like like grain by grain. <laughs> I, <laughs> if I just don't vacuum my apartment for a couple more years, like we might have. Somewhat of that situation. Yeah. Although I won't have quite the same musical genius, but I will have a lot of sand. <laughs> well, that's something. That's still a connection. And inspiration. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So I, I really, you know, like those are sort of my classic influences. And I'll just say like without, because I could talk and talk for a long time about, you know, all the various artists that I love. Um, I'm really into French pop music and like the artists that Serge Gainsbourg produced. Oh, I really yeah. like Francoise Hardy. And um, I recently saw Jane Birkin perform at Carnegie Hall. Oh, wow. And that was one of the most incredible shows um, I've seen with the New York Philharmonic. Wow. So it was incredible. Um, and, and really, yeah. So I, you know, I, I gravitate towards those artists and, um, and I'd say like more currently, I really love, uh, Jenny Lewis from Rilo Kylie. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. She's just a really incredible songwriter and, and she, she always tells stories and has very vivid lyrics. I always listen to her work and say like, oh wow. Yeah. She, she's got a great storytelling style that I'm in love with and i you know i have goals yeah. <laughs> i think it's important to have goals um but for now you know i kind of just i gravitate towards like I, writing songs that i feel um you know i can connect to and like stuff that i would want to hear but like but you know you kind of nailed it like you picked up on a lot of the the old like soul sort of classic influences which i i definitely feel like i really respond to as a listener well and and i did because i, I was listening to the music I'm like, this is so good i'm really really enjoying this so it was thank you for saying that oh well it, it's the truth so i it, that's my pleasure to say it. now i do have a question 
sure. did see some videos, and mm-hmm. one of the ones that I, I don't know how the hell you did this, losing all the way uh, in a roller rink, playing mm-hmm. guitar on roller skates because oh, yeah. I I just sat there and fascinated because I I remember going to roller rinks and if I tried to do that I would break my ass. I mean, let's just say there were a couple close calls <laughs> in that situation. Like, I'm really glad I didn't injure myself severely because we actually <laughs> we we were playing live. So that's actually a live recording. One, two, one, two three, four. When I'm talking to you. So my friend, um, who's also the guitarist in that band, in, in that lineup, and he um, he had some recording equipment, and we rigged it up, and I had this um, videographer who I also love, Chris Carlone. Um, he filmed it for us, and the roller rink was so great. And this is what's awesome about going back to places in your hometown. This wasn't exactly my hometown, but it's the town one over forum park so <laughs> okay. thank you forum park roller rink if you're listening because i know you are of course um, <laughs> of I'm course just... naturally you're listening um <laughs> but you know I, I they were just so accommodating i was like i i had this fantasy of like i was like you know i just want to i just want to play guitar on roller skates like this classic like gig that no one was at you know <laughs> yeah. like the, the traditional like, I, I think Josie and the Pussycats opens that way. I think they're at a bowling alley or something, and they, like, do this epic performance. Oh, and like, Wow, you just, might be right. Like, and, like, no one's in there, basically. <laughs> and, it's like, and, like, you know, the, the directing and the camera work is, like, phenomenal. And you're like, are they at Madison Square Garden? And then it's like you hear pins yeah. crashing in the background. <laughs> um, but I had this, like, fantasy of, like, just doing it in, like, this kind of open, like, public space. And I had had many birthday parties. I had had one birthday party at the Roller Park Roller Rink. I think I was like, I think I was in sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. I can't remember. But I went to a lot of parties there. And I remember feeling like, you know, kind of an awkward time as a kid because, like, they had this light up old school sign where it would light up and say couples skate. You know, like it'd say other things like backwards skate, forward skate. Like, that sounds like a lawsuit waiting to happen. Oh, totally. Backwards I mean, skate now. Backwards uh, skate now. Okay, kids. Like, okay, we're we are twelve. I'm, I'm like, hey, I'm you know? I'm skating. I'm clutching for uh, on the rail for dear life, trying to go yes, forward. I no, get it. exactly. I just remember like the high emotions that for me I felt like as a young preteen being at a roller skating rink, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go back and like try to like <laughs> I don't know, like own own that experience. <laughs> channel all this like awkwardness so i mean you know i tried to be as smooth as possible i like i said i didn't fall although i almost tripped over a few cables like on a couple (laughs) occasions and we were actually like live playing the song so that definitely presented its challenges but i will say that was like a really fun video to film and and the people there were super nice to let us take a few hours to like you know, it's like a 
to different kind of birthday party. To over. fulfill your your desire to yeah. own that. I was actually really surprised they they let me do it. I don't know. It was just. You know, I live in New York. It's a it's a tough <laughs> it's, tough world over here. It so is. It's, it's nice to go out to Jersey and people are like, "Well, yeah, you want to throw us like a few dollars? Like, we'll do." You know, like, yeah, you can like, you know, we ordered pizza. Like, it really was like reliving my sixth <laughs> grade <laughs> birthday party. Like, I'm like, is the slushy maker on? That was the only disappointment. Oh man, it was not on. I could <sighs> not turn my tongue blue for the video. Oh, <laughs> that would have been awesome. That would have been really authentic, but that would have been anyway. So yeah, it was fun. So you've released several EPs now. Is there a plan to do a full length anytime? Yeah, you know, I always go back and forth with, you know, what what is the best way? I mean, it would just be amazing if I could just like write all the time and put out full length albums, but it's it's harder. It just costs a little bit more these days. Like as an independent artist, I feel like I I sort of just like putting things out as they're streaming in. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is that is something that lately I'm gonna be focusing more on. But then again I have a lot of songs sort of on the back burner, like waiting to be on an album. So I to to be honest, I wish I had a more clear cut focus and answer. Like I just recorded two songs um over last weekend, like I mentioned, and I'm just trying to figure out maybe a release plan for them or those two. They're actually interesting tracks because they're very stylized. Like I, you know, I, I do like to channel my influences, but in a way where I make them, you know, sort of modern and more my own. And then right. in these tracks, I really was kind of creating almost like caricatures of the styles that I love, but in a way that, you know, I wanted to like pay homage to them, not like, okay. not try to make it like a ridiculous version <laughs> of like doo-wop or something like that. Right, but right. Like I, I had like very specific ideas of how I wanted things to sort of sound and go and and then of course the recording process which was we did it analog or it's a it's a digital tape recorder it's like only eight tracks so oh yeah, it sort yeah. Of like limits you and and in a really good way and makes you like focus in so so a lot of things that were unexpected came up out of the tracks and also working with um, producer Scott Baseman, he had a lot of great ideas. Um, so, so I'm going to wait for these tracks to be mixed and, and I can actually see them turning into like a larger work of more stylized tracks that are like very specific. Um, but I might just release them as they are and then keep developing my other songs, my other, you know, demos and, and things that I've been working on. Um, but yeah, eventually, I think the goal for me is like, if I release music, I'm like, okay, good job. Because like, <laughs> I, like I, you know, I sit on projects for a really long time. I think that's another thing that I want to get better at is like, like, you know what? It like, that's, that's fine enough. Like, I, I, I mentioned before, like, I loved, I loved the title of your podcast, Performance Anxiety, because right. I feel like I definitely can relate to like the anxiety of like is this track good enough or like did I do it justice or like do yeah. exactly what I wanted and what I'm realizing now in my mid-30s and like now I'm I've been doing this for a while I like stopped caring as much which is great <laughs> like yeah. not in a way that things are like being 
sacrifice. But like, you know, I just I'm trying to enjoy the process so much more and just, you know, be like, okay, well, if if I want to do a different version of that, I'll release it later or like just get it out there. Yeah, just like get it out there and like just really enjoy what that feels like and just sort of like ease up on the attachment. And that's, that's been my, uh, that's another like thing that I'm always constantly working on. So. Well, and the, the weird state that the music industry is in right now kind of lends itself to doing that. You know, you can release one song if you want to and not right. have to, yeah, not have to have it worried about, well, now I've got that single out. It's got to be part right. of this album that's coming out in within a couple of months. Right. Like in the time that I was growing up and buying CDs and records, like that was so important for an artist to be releasing the full album because those album sales were going to fund the tours and they were yep. going to, you know, like the album sale itself was so important. And in this day, we live in like a streaming culture, you know, that a lot of it is like streaming an artist or like maybe buying the single and like, don't get me wrong. I love when people download my album, like, or buy a physical copy at a show like that. I mean, that uh, I think other artists would agree with me. Like that is like amazing. That really supports the art, but it's, it's harder to get the most out of that. Like, yeah. you know, like the old days. So, you know, the old days <laughs> of music. So it is, it's, it's kind it's all of about adapting. Yeah, and it's kind of flipped where you were saying, you know, selling the album, uh, you know, supports your tour. Now it's touring is is what's got to support you creating more music. Right, exactly. Because of of streaming for for a, a large part of that. Right. Exactly. So, so there's other ways to be creative and, and I, I sort of, you know, I actually really take to the single model because I, I feel like a lot of my songs just kind of come like maybe spontaneously or they can kind of stand on their own as like something, um, that I just want to get out, (laughs) get out there. And, and I think that's a really good model too. And then, you know, and I've played in my mind with some ideas of I also play ukulele. So thinking about like, all right, just like a solid ukulele album or like, you know, something that that really just has this like cohesion to it where it makes a lot of sense. But otherwise, I feel sometimes I feel a little scattered. You know, I'm just like, I want to dabble in this style or do this. And I'm a multi-instrumentalist. So I like writing on different instruments, which I think brings out a different quality. I always channel something different when I'm playing a different instrument. So, um, so I feel like the single model sort of works for me in a way. Well, I, I, you'd mentioned the uke. I did see a picture of you playing a badass looking Gibson flying V. Oh yeah. You know, I sold that guitar. Oh Uh, yeah. That's, but you know, that's okay. I, that had, we had a good run. That's that's (laughs) not the only guitars that i've ever sold that's you know that's what i'm going to insert for i can't believe you did that i can't believe you sold your your gibson actually it's an epiphone which is you know it's part of gibson but it's not like a true gibson (laughs) it's basically a reissue guitar from the 1950s it was a 1950 which isn't that really cool like i love looking at the history of guitars oh so do i guitar I look at that, I'm like, oh, that's like a hair metal guitar. I'm like, that's 80s guitar. No, that guitar was like a rock and roll oh, yeah. guitar, um, that model. And and I just love it. And I, I bought it for several reasons. It I actually, at the time, was shopping for a hollow body because I really love oh, yeah. country sounds. I love like 
reverb, just like a, a deep sound to it. And I played a lot of guitars and surprisingly that was one I played and it doesn't have a hollow body. It's very much solid and in a flying V shape. Um, and it actually like gave me a really nice tone. So this oh. is for the guitar enthusiasts out there. Like <laughs> it's great. You know, I sold it to someone on, um, Craigslist who was like very thrilled about it and, and like played it. I was like, I mean, it's a great guitar. I just, I have so many instruments that sometimes for me, it's like, it's part of the process. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get, get rid of this one and see what else I can fine <laughs> I, well i can understand that you know you, you yeah. get a lot of people get inspiration when they get a new sound you get a new instrument that's, it's a brand new sound actually that, that sounds very familiar to me yeah i definitely <laughs> i went through a phase it was uh yeah my bank account is uh hurting no. <laughs> <laughs> that can influence it too <laughs> yeah but like i definitely feel very much inspired just like tactilely and like and and also just by like what I hear. So so physically playing it, but also like the sounds of instruments like I, you know, when I played that Mellotron, I I had that same experience where I'm like, this is inspiring so much from from me creatively that I feel it's worth the investment. Yes. What's like a few thousand dollars. Yeah, well, <laughs> Fine. Just a drop in the bucket. So, yeah. you, know, you know, I'm saving my pennies for things and. Um, but you know, part of that is like kind of selling the old gear and, you know, figuring out what, what phase you're in and like what inspires you. And there's more ways to find inspiration, but (laughs) 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 it doesn't hurt. (laughs) Well, Jen, I've, I've kept you for about an hour now. So thank you so much for coming on with me and spending so much time with me. Where Thank can, you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Where can everybody find you on online, social media, and where can they buy yeah. your music? So you can find me on Spotify, Pandora, um, SoundCloud. I feel like I have most of the music channels. If I'm missing anyone, any any medium, you can contact me. <laughs> let, <Yeah>. me <laughs> let me know. I feel like I'm really behind on social media. Um, I try to keep up with it as I much as possible. Feeling. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's one of those things. That's also a work in progress. So any tips, any <laughs> business tips, all except, um, marketing strategies, oh. what have you, like, please get at me. But yeah, I have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, like you can, you can message me. Um, Is it all at Janet yeah, LaBelle? Or? Whatnot. Yeah, it's just Janet LaBelle. Um, yeah. And, awesome. you know. You can find my music on iTunes and yeah, there might be some physical copies floating around on the internet if you're into that. I am very much into that. So I'm going to have to get some. I can mail you a copy, whatever, whatever you want. I have a few. Oh, (laughs) damn. I will be texting you my address because. Yeah, no, please. I will send you definitely a copy. I will send you everything I got. Awesome. (laughs) See, I'm, I'm of the age where if I don't, if I can't touch it, if I can't feel it, I don't own it. Yes. If you can't feel it, it doesn't exist. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, send me your address. I'm glad to send you a copy. So. Oh, man. I love it. I yeah. appreciate that so much. Of course. That's awesome. Well, well, thank you again for having me as your guest. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you for being on. It, this is so much fun. I, I really do appreciate you coming on, spending all yeah. this time with me. Of course. Of course. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll do something in the future. We'll think of a cool, a cool topic.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 